0: Um, During the season of creation that we kicked off last week is this nested liturgical season inside of ordinary time. And when we say ordinary time, that is not a denigrating um, theological term. That rather is uh, talking about how God works in the long, green, growing season in our lives in often ordinary and um, unintelligible ways to us. Um, and And so, during this month of September, in this this uh, kind of transient season uh, after summer, please, after summer, and on towards the fall uh, we 're celebrating and remembering and cultivating a, a sense and appreciation for god 's good creation and so we, we had the idea um, because this oak community is stocked so full with people for whom uh, knowing. Um, the God of creation and knowing God's creation is is so formative and important for their spirituality. We want you to hear directly from them and and so um, I welcome Jana to share some of her testimony in this creation season.
1: Thanks Chris. Hi everybody. I'm Jana. I would love to meet you if I haven't yet. Um, Thanks for asking me to share a little bit a few minutes about how creation is important to my faith. Um, So I've always been drawn to nature and to exploring God's creation. When I was a kid, that meant playing in the creek in our neighborhood, pretending to be Tarzan and swinging across the creek on vines. As I got older, it meant hiking and biking in forests and exploring plants and animals around me. As an adult, I ended up shifting my career to environmental work when we lived in New York City, and I was surrounded by the concrete jungle in my day-to-day life. I would flock to the parks and gardens for refuge and sanity. It was in those spaces that I had energy, hope, and rest, in such a crazy city with total sensory overload. Natural spaces became more than just a nice place to go. They became essential for my well-being. I think about so many vivid moments I've had in nature, like the moment you're staring on the horizon at, on the shore of the beach and you feel so small, but in like the best way. And yeah, there's a few photos here, so um, just to make you think about nature. Um, Or the moment when you sit on a rock above the water and you are mesmerized and overcome by your senses with the sound of the rushing water, the the light dancing on the stream, and watching the leaves float by, smelling the wet earth around you. One of the most awe-inspiring moments for me was a trip to the Pungo unit of the Pecosan Lakes National Wildlife Refuge on the eastern shore of North Carolina. Has anybody been there? It's over by Alligator River. It's a really rural spot in North Carolina. Um, I went with a friend of mine who's a naturalist and is one of the most knowledgeable wildlife experts I've ever met. He took us to Pungo one winter to see the great display of tundra swan and snow geese. And you can get, just go to the next photo. Don't go to the video just yet. Why don't you just pause on that one, because that's almost like the eastern North Carolina. Um, He took us to see the great display of tundra swan and snow geese who winter on the eastern shore. We spent the day looking for black bears, and who knew that eastern North Carolina has the largest black bears and also the highest black bear densities in the world. We spotted about eight or nine on my first visit to Pungo that day, and in and of itself, that was an amazing experience. But as the day approached sunset, we headed to a big cornfield on the reserve to watch the truly magical spectacle of snow geese and tundra swan flying in, landing and feasting on cornfields before settling down before the night. More than 100,000 swans and geese land in that refuge every winter. These birds come from the Arctic tundra in Alaska, flying to this area to feast all winter. In this amazing nighttime spectacle, the birds don't just fly in the classic V formations like you might see with Canada geese, but they fly in huge lines with hundreds of lines coming through, flying across the sky, landing for food, and taking off again. The tundra swan are quiet and almost make like a whistle type sound when they fly, while the snow geese are very chatty and honk. Quite loudly, and the sound is almost deafening, but in the best way. Watching these birds fly overhead in these huge formations is such a humbling experience. I teared up as I watched the beautiful sunset spectacle. Maybe I was so moved by the volume of it all, or maybe I was being blessed by God's presence watching this amazing display. It was the most beautiful, loud ballet I've ever seen. And it reminds me of the scripture from Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. If you want to go to a few slides i have a video that's that's hugo in nature (laughs) a moss garden okay so this is the video of the birds at pungo if you i hope we have audio because it is quite loud so it's, it's a little hard to capture in a video but it is like the most incredible thing and they're just flying overhead and At the same time, there's like a bear right there on the road, just like chewing on some corn, and we're just like, oh my gosh, just overwhelmed by the glory and majesty of God's creation. When we spend time in nature, we commune with our creator. We get to marvel at his works and enjoy his creation with all of our senses. We are blessed when we experience nature, and I believe we are able to bless others when we have that healing time in God's creation. When I have a hard day, me and my husband try to go outside and let the trees absorb our stress. We usually lay down on our deck, look up at the trees, and surrender our anxieties. And I actually think just like they absorb harmful CO2 from the air, they can absorb our worries as well. Something happens when we smell, touch, taste, see, and listen to the natural world. I think it's some sort of cosmic spiritual release that happens to our bodies and minds when we spend time in God's creation, which is why one of the most important things we can protect. Yes, God put humans in charge of overseeing, protecting, and sustaining his precious earth, which is why we have to care and why we must have hope, even when humans get it all wrong and abuse our amazing natural spaces and resources. Just as our bodies wait and hope for redemption from Romans 8, which I believe we'll we'll read later, and if we don't, please read it on your own, um, we must have hope for our earth and hope that we can and will protect this glorious earth and all the creatures in it. I believe the church and all faith groups can come together, united on this cause, of loving our earth because I believe we all have a part to play in this. And united, we are stronger than we are alone in this cause. No matter your age, your career path, socioeconomic status, I think we can all be a part of the solution to love and protect our planet and home. It feels easy to get lost in the despair of our world, especially with the current climate crisis. But there are some ways we can have hope and act on that hope. And that might look like spending time in nature because I think when we delight in nature and God's creation, that's the most powerful driver for change. Teaching others, like friends, family, your kids, to love our earth and treat her right. Donating financially to local conservation groups. Getting involved locally in your neighborhood with your town council or your community on environmental efforts. And also using our voices to vote on environmental issues on behalf of Mother Earth. And voting season is coming up, so make sure you're all registered. My faith compels me to love our earth and love God's people. And I hope my story today has given you some hope as well. I hope you can come chat with me after the service if you want to nerd out on birds or just talk about nature or tell me your favorite nature story. I'd love to hear it, so thank you.